Hello there, and welcome along to Planet Sport Football Africa, a passion for sport production where we look at African football, what's happening around the continent, and what African players are doing overseas. I'm Steve Vickers in Harare, Zimbabwe, joined by Solomon Ashams in Abuja, Nigeria, and by Stuart Weir in the UK. And on this week's show, we catch up on the latest in the CAF Champions League. The group stage is already at the halfway point, and the Egyptian teams are not doing as well as expected, while the Southern African sides are off to a great start. Also, just three weeks to the start of the English Premier League season now, and Stuart profiles one of the best African players ever in the Premier League. That's Nigeria and Arsenal striker Nwankwo Kanu. In his six seasons, he was arguably part of Arsene Wenger's most successful team. They won the Premier League twice, the FA Cup twice, and Canu was a member of that amazing Invincibles team. And we continue to build up to the Rio Olympics and discover more about the culture of Brazil. This week we go to a historic coffee shop in Rio. Yeah, very nice. A good bean. Subtle, but good. I'm going to try a little bit of this biscuit as well because I love a biscuit. That's all coming up, uh, plus part three of Stuart's profile of Sepp Blatter. But let's start with a great story of determination, as Senegal striker Demba Ba says he will not retire after suffering a career-threatening broken leg in China. We've often talked about Barr on the show. He played for West Ham, Newcastle and Chelsea in England, then went to Turkey and is now with Shanghai Shenhua in China. Well, Barr collapsed during a challenge in a Chinese Super League match. It was a terrible injury. And after the game, Barr's coach said it could end his professional career. But a few days after the injury, Barr said that he won't give up. Well, he's the top scorer in the Chinese Super League with 14 goals in 18 games. And apparently when he came round and woke up after sustaining the injury, the first thing he asked was, did we win? Well, actually they did, uh, 2-1. And we wish Demba Ba a speedy recovery. And at 31, there's still a good chance that he can return to something like his best. Well, now let's catch up on the 2016 CAF Champions League. The group stage is already at the halfway point, and after three games in Group A, it's Widad Casablanca of Morocco on top with seven points, Zesco United of Zambia a second on six points, Asik Mimosas of Ivory Coast have three points, and the eight-time champions Al Atli surprisingly are bottom with just one point. Last weekend, Zesco United kept up their impressive home record with a 3-1 win over Asek Mimosas, and Al-Atli were held to a 0-0 draw at home by Widad Casablanca. In Group B, South Africa's Mamelodi Sundowns did well to win 2-1 away to Zamalek of Egypt. There are only three teams in this group. They've played two games each, and Sundowns are top with six points, Zamalek on three, and two-time champions Enimba of Nigeria have no points as yet. So a few talking points here, Solomon. Al-Akhli bottom of their group and Zamalek beaten at home. And you don't expect that from the Egyptian teams, do you? I think, you know, Egyptian football is still trying to get itself out of that pit that was created by the political uh, situation they had a few years ago where football league was suspended. 
you know, we saw how that affected uh, the Pharaohs of Egypt, the national team. We also, miss, missing the African Cup of Nations, didn't really qualify. Uh, so, so they're really coming out of it. You know, uh, the expectation was they they've come out of it already. But a giant club like Al Hali, definitely a lot has been expected of them, and Zamalek also the way they've been playing. Uh, but, but unfortunately, I don't really see them really getting out of that group, especially after having played three games. Uh, it's really going to be difficult for Al Hali to get, uh, you know, the maximum points because now it means they they really have to pick, you know, almost maximum points in the in the rest of the games that they have to play. And it's a surprisingly strong showing from the Southern African teams, Zesco of Zambia and Sundowns of South Africa. Yes, Steve. It is uh, the year of the Southern African teams for me. I feel the last few years, we hadn't really seen a team from Southern Africa making a statement in the African Champions League. You would expect uh, club sides uh, from South Africa, you know, from Zambia, uh, from Angola to make some sort of a statement because of, of the resources that is put, you know, in the game, especially in Angola and South Africa. But Zambia, I think, is a country that really has a lot of talents, but we've not never really seen that. But this year, it's really been great. Zesco is doing so well. So they have a chance in, in the next two games if they could uh, pick up one win or one draw they would have a chance uh, of really going through and and it best represents zambian football because zambia is is a is, is a country that has lots and lots of uh, great football players even though the league is not as strong as uh, the, as the egyptian league or the tunisian or the moroccan or the south african team uh, but at the same time i feel you know they 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 really have what it takes they have great young players coming on and they and they know how to play as a team for Mamelodi Sundowns coming through the back door if I might say that because remember they never they didn't really qualify for the Africa Champions League uh, they lost to AS Vita uh, from the DRC but AS Vita was disqualified so they and they had to come back and regrouped and to see them going in and topping their group currently uh, where they have six points from two games I think is amazing a win against Ayimba a win against Zamalek uh, you know uh, away from home and they've always been ambitious. They always want to do well across the continent of Africa, which coach Piso Masimani and, and some great players. They always Their vision is always to go out and conquer Africa. And this might just be their season. So uh, as it stands, Solomon, uh, who do you see winning the Champions League? Uh, for me, I must say, Widad Casablanca look very strong. Yes, definitely, Steve. I think why that uh, Casablanca is looking really great. Uh, I think Mamelodi Sundowns has a good chance, uh, and also Zesco might just be a surprise finalist. Would they be able to win it? I, I, I don't. I wouldn't think so. Uh, but they might just be a surprise finalist. Remember, four teams are going to go through to the uh, semi-final. If Zamalek makes it there, it's going to be a do-or-die affair. They might just hit form in the semi-final and you know and push through to get to the final, um, and, and that is really going to be great. But why that Casablanca currently is in pole position? Mamelodi Sundowns also le- really looking good. They have a big squad, so they could always rotate and, and, and have enough players. So it's, it's really exciting. I like the way that, that this season's Africa Champions League is because it's, it's looking very unpredictable. You cannot just you know out rightly say this is a team that, that is steep or these are the two teams that surely we're going to get them in the final.
Well, you can have your say on Facebook and on WhatsApp. Uh, tell us this week who do you think will win the CAF Champions League? Send us a WhatsApp to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. We'll go to our Facebook page, Planet Sport Football Africa. Tell us who you think will be the 2016 CAF Champions League winners. And a quick word about the Confederation Cup. TP Mazembe of DR Congo atop of Group A, ahead of Emo Bejaya of Algeria. Uh, Group B has four North African teams and two Moroccan clubs are on top. That's Afus Rabat with seven points and Korkad Marrakesh with six points. So TP Mazembe up against some strong North African teams in the CAF Confederation Cup. Now it's just three weeks to the start of the English Premier League season. Looking forward to that, and uh, Stuart has picked for us a list of his top ten African players to have featured in the English Premier League. He's profiled them for us. It's a riveting series, and we start with Nigeria and Arsenal striker Nwanko Kanu. Now, there are probably three African players with the claim to being the best ever African player to grace the Premier League, and one of those is Nwanko Kanu. He started playing professionally in Nigeria at the age of 15 with Federation Works. His performance for Nigeria in the World Under-17 Championship led to his transfer to Ajax in the Netherlands. There he joined a team full of Dutch legends from start to finish. Edwin van der Sar, Frank Rijkaard, Frank and Ronald de Boer, Patrick Kluivert, Mark Overmars, Edgar Davids, Clarence Cedro. And Danny Blint. Danny Blint, incidentally, is the current Netherlands manager and the father of the Manchester United defender, Daly Blint. In Canu's three seasons at Ajax, the club won the league championship each year and also the UEFA Champions League. And Canu was certainly not out of place in such exalted company, scoring 25 goals in 54 appearances. But then he went to Italy to play for Inter Milan, which was not such a successful period and he only made 12 appearances, but was also on the bench when the club won the UEFA Cup. He then moved to Arsenal, where again in his six seasons he was arguably part of Arsene Wenger's most successful team. They won the Premier League twice, the FA Cup twice, and Canu was a member of that amazing Invincibles team that went unbeaten for more than a year. But by 2004-05, Thierry Henry had become the main Arsenal striker and Canu was mainly making appearances off the bench. But he had still played 119 league games, scoring 31 goals and in fact 44 goals for Arsenal in all competitions. So much so that when Arsenal supporters voted their best ever players, Canu came 13th in the best ever player with Arsenal over the 100-year history. From Arsenal, he went to West Brom, where he played for two seasons before joining Portsmouth and was there for six years. Now, Portsmouth played last season in the fourth tier of English football, but in the early years of the third millennium, they were having an excellent spell in the Premier League. In 2008, for example, they won the FA Cup, beating Canu's former club West Brom 1-0 in the semi-final and Cardiff City 1-0 in the final, with Canu scoring both those decisive goals. 
When Canning retired in 2012 at the age of 36, he could look back in a career which had brought him league titles in Nigeria, Netherlands and England, over 100 goals in top-class football, three FA Cup winners' medals, a UEFA Cup and UEFA Champions League winners' medal. With Nigeria, he had won the FIFA Under-17 World Cup, an Olympic gold medal, and played in three World Cups, as well as being runners-up in the Africa Cup of Nations on one occasion. In 96, Canu discovered that he had a serious heart defect and underwent surgery to replace the aorta valve. He was so grateful to have survived that he set up the Canu Heart Foundation to help underprivileged African children and adults living with heart problems in Nigeria and other African countries to obtain cardiac operations. To date, his foundation has sponsored 500 heart operations. And in interviews, Kanu frequently cites his faith in God and his Christian beliefs and mentioned his heart problems as an example of a time when he prayed particularly and saw God answer his prayers. Finally, I want to tell you three things about Kanu that I bet you didn't know. Firstly, the name Nwanko means child born on market day in the Igbo language, so now we know. He's believed to have the biggest feat in professional football, taking a British size 15. He came off the bench 118 times, which is the third most substitute appearance in Premier League history. A great player who achieved a lot and who has put something back into society through the Hart Foundation. Well, I certainly didn't know that Canu has size 15 feet. Uh, thanks a lot for that, Stuart. And what a great player Nwankwo Kanu was. And we'll be continuing this series of Stuart's top 10 African players to have played in England over the coming weeks. Well, this is Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport. And have you downloaded our app yet? It's great because if you miss the show, you can listen any time on our app. To download it, go to the Play Store or the Apple iTunes App Store and enter Planet Sport Football Africa. Once you've got the app, you can listen to the show there anytime on demand, along with over 140 past episodes of the program. So to download, go to the Play Store or the Apple iTunes App Store and enter Planet Sport Football Africa. Also, you can listen to the show on our website, planetsportfootballafrica.com. You can see our pictures there too, in case you're wondering what we all look like. That's at planetsportfootballafrica.com. And you can follow us on Twitter, at planetsportfa. Well, still to come on the show, part three of our profile of Sepp Blatter, as Stuart asks what kind of a man the former FIFA president is. And now we turn to WhatsApp and to Facebook. And last week we talked about the declining impact that African players are making in the German Bundesliga. While the reigning African footballer of the year, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, has made a huge impact with Borussia Dortmund, the African presence in the Bundesliga hasn't been so strong in recent years. Going back in time, Ghana striker Tony Yeboa was at Eintracht Frankfurt in the 90s, the same time that Nigeria legend JJ Okocha was there. Okocha once scoring the Bundesliga goal of the season. And there was Ghana defender Sami Kufour, who played for 12 seasons at Bayern Munich from 1993 onwards. So we asked, who would you say has been the best African player in the Bundesliga? 
Well, again, we had a huge response, so thanks for that, and we'll get through as many as we can. And interestingly, the same three names feature exclusively in your choices. On Facebook, Hamat Jobe in the Gambia says to me, Pierre Emerick Aubameyang is the best African ever to have played in the Bundesliga. After just three seasons with Dortmund, he's helped them to finish in second place last season, scoring 25 goals. It's a marvelous achievement, being the second highest scorer in the Bundesliga last season. And uh, that's true, Hammett. Yes, only Robert Lewandowski scored more goals in the Bundesliga last season, with 30 for Bayern Munich. And of course, Aubameyang replaced Lewandowski at Dortmund when the Polish striker went to Bayern. Albert Kadzombe in Malawi says, To me, Aubameyang is one of the best African players ever in the Bundesliga. Apart from scoring goals, he's been outstanding in previous seasons and filled in the gap of Lewandowski without problems. Basai Sise in the Gambia agrees. He says, I don't know much about Kufour, Okocha and Yaboa, but I can assure you that Aubameyang is an excellent footballer. I hope to see him playing for Arsenal in the near future, says Basai Donald in Cameroon also says it's Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, as does Campo in the Gambia, who says, I go for Aubameyang because his performance is out of this world, especially this season in the Bundesliga and in the Europa League. Now, the second player to get your votes was JJ Okocha, the former Nigeria international, spent five seasons at Eintracht Frankfurt from 1992 to 96. And Ansemana Darbo in the Gambia says, my vote is for JJ. Just with that single goal, it's something great. Yes, that was the 1993 goal of the season when Okocha scored against Karlsruhe after dribbling through the goal area and passing some defenders twice. Cyril Yomba in the Gambia says, for me, I'll say Okocha, but for Africa to have another player like him is very hard. And Musa K. Turai says, well, that's a tough decision, but I'll go for JJ Okocha. He's made a lot of noise both locally and internationally. Very true. Also agreeing are Lamin Saidi, Matar Cham and Bakari Jaju. And your third choice is a Ghanaian who showed his endurance in the Bundesliga, playing there for longer than any other African player. On Facebook, Mark Umar from Abuja, Nigeria, says, Sentiment apart, it has to be Samuel Ose Kufour of Ghana, the legend who achieved so much for Bayern Munich, won lots of Bundesliga titles and the UEFA Champions League. He is unarguably the best African export that's ever plied his trade in Germany. Fabak Kari Barrow in the Gambia agrees. He says Kufour's been the most outstanding African player in Germany. On WhatsApp, Bolong Baji, also in the Gambia, says it's Kufour for the talent and the strength. I suppose he could be the best ever after those 12 seasons in the Bundesliga. Ebrima K.B. Sonko agrees. He says, for me, it's Sami Kufour. He had countless great games and seasons for Bayern. He was ever reliable for them in that centre-back position. He deserves a pat on the back. Sylvester in the Gambia says, I'd say Sami Kufour, although I remember him losing the Champions League final against Manchester United in 1999. Yes, and I still remember Sami Kufour collapsing to the ground after that stunning late comeback from Man United. A heartbreaking then, but he was to win the Champions League two years later with Bayern Munich. 
Well, thank you so much for all of those comments. Uh, far too many to read out, unfortunately. But uh, the final vote was like this: eleven percent for JJ Okocha. In second place, uh, with forty-one percent, was Sami Kufour. But top of the tree, your choice for the best African player ever in the Bundesliga is Pierre Emerick Aubameyang, with forty-eight percent of the vote for the Gabon striker. Thanks again for those comments, and this week tell us who do you think will win the CAF Champions League? It's at the halfway stage, and in Group A we've got Widad Casablanca of Morocco on top, and in Group B Mamelodi Sundowns of South Africa lead the way. So who will go on to win the Champions League? Send us your thoughts on what's up to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. We'll go to our Facebook page, Planet Sport Football Africa, and it's always great to hear from you. Well, the 2016 Rio Olympics are just around the corner now, starting in Brazil on the 5th of August, but with the football tournament getting underway two days before the opening ceremony on the 3rd of August. It's Zimbabwe and South Africa in the women's tournament representing Africa, and in the men's, the three African teams are Nigeria, South Africa, and Algeria. Well, as we build up to the Rio Olympics, we're going to the archives for some stories on the culture of Brazil. Well, Solomon and I were in Rio two years ago for the FIFA World Cup, along with colleagues Tom Ellis and Andy Bloss. We had a chance to spend time in Rio. It's a wonderful city, spectacularly beautiful, and with great history and culture too. Now, Tom and Andy went along to a historic coffee shop in Central Rio. Bem-vindo à confeitaria Colombo. Coffee, express duplo, café macchiato, café macchiato. Café macchiato. It's bom. Gosto de the cappuccino, por favor. Andy and I have been known to love a coffee or two back home in London, and now in Brazil, in, in Rio, we've been very excited about trying some of the local coffee. So we've come to Confeitaria Colombo, which is one of Rio's oldest coffee shops, founded in 1894 by two Portuguese adventurous men. Exactly, yeah, and just by looking around us here, it's kind of quite a decadent place. We've got mirrors everywhere. I'm really looking forward to trying this coffee. I mean, it's it looks a fantastic place so far. Yeah, and it is. It's a very grand place, and in the in the synopsis in the menu says this place founded by Manuel José Lebrão and Joaquim Borges de Morelos. Uh, they had the philosophy that the customer is always right. Eminent visitors such as Queen Elizabeth from England and King Albert from Belgium have had the opportunity to taste the specialities here and almost all Brazilian presidents have been customers at Colombo's. So now it's our turn, Andy. I went for a café macchiato. I'm hoping for a, a taste of Rio, I guess, is, is all I can ask for today. And while we're waiting for our coffees to arrive, a bit more history from the menu. This place, Confeteria Colombo, benefited from the social and urban progress of the city, as well as consequent business development. So it became known as the place where politicians, journalists, poets and writers all came to attend its business meetings, or simply to have fun, like us. Well, we're doing a bit of both, I guess. So is this the first time you've come to this coffee place? Yes, it is, yes. And what are your thoughts so far? Uh, well, it's spectacular. It's uh, in terms of just absorbing the atmosphere, it's fantastic. And you've come from Australia, right? So how does this compare to coffee shops back home? 
Uh, look, it's very different. The history is uh, just everywhere. So uh, Australia just doesn't have that depth of history. And seeing these wonderful buildings and uh, the artistic, uh, you know, baroque atmosphere is fantastic. So the coffees have arrived. Um, we've been given a, a, a very nice kind of china cup with a, what looks like kind of an amaretto biscuit on the side. Um, Tommy, you've just had a little sip there. Um, what's the taste like of your macchiato? Well, obviously, I've just scraped the surface of the milk at the top, the frothy milk. Let me have another little sip, delve a bit deeper. Yeah, very nice. A good bean. bean. Subtle, but good. I'm going to try a little bit of this biscuit as well, because I love a biscuit. I don't normally dip my biscuits in my coffee, but when in Rio. Mm. Andy, have a try of yours. Try jo- join me. I will join you. Yeah, that's lovely. An absolutely lovely, um, lovely brew, that. That is lovely. Cheers. Right, cheers. <laughs> that's wonderful. Uh, Tom Ellis and Andy Bloss sampling coffee in Rio. And more on the city of Rio and its culture next week. And Tom and Andy will be giving us stories from the Olympics next month. Well, finally, on the show today, we continue our series looking at the life of former FIFA president Sepp Blatter, who was suspended by FIFA last year amid corruption allegations. FIFA's Ethics Committee banned Blatter from football for eight years, although it was later reduced to six years. Now, Blatter became FIFA president in 1998, and during his 17-year reign, there was huge growth in football. Now, Stuart's put together a profile of Blatter based on a recent biography of him, which Stuart says is informative, but uh, does focus almost entirely on Blatter's side of the story. Here's the third part of Stuart's profile. What kind of man is Sepp Blatter? I mentioned in the first part that family is very important to Sepp Blatter, but that is really only half the story. He says of his own failed marriage, For the first five years, I was a good husband and father. Then I tended to put my career before family. In fact, Blatter was so obsessed with work that he never took more than a week's holiday from the office and even when he was on holiday, would telephone the office every single day. I referred in a previous part to Blatter's difficult relationship with the then General Secretary of FIFA, Helmut Kayser. In 1983, Blatter married Barbara Kayser, the boss's daughter. But you could ask the question, was his motivation love or to create a strategic alliance that would help his progress? Blatter's brother, Peter, says of him, as a schoolboy, Sepp was always first. He was first in school and he was first when it came to girls. Every evening, girls would ring our home asking if Sepp would like to go out dancing with them. My mother became a bit anxious about this. As a footballer, he was stubborn, emotional and passionate. He chased every ball and covered every blade of grass. And as a striker, a real opportunist. It be interesting to see whether we feel in his work life he exhibited the same characteristics. He was hardworking and one of his motives was, if a thing is worth doing, It's worth doing well. We noted previously how his new ideas created conflict when he came to FIFA. Well, it was the same situation in the watch industry, where he was seen as a lateral thinker who
who did not respect convention, but as someone who brought a breath of fresh air to dusty structures. He was a strong leader, and a former colleague in the watchmaking industry said of him, his strong leadership and his ability to convince people was always outstanding. For example, persuading Longines and Omega, who were commercial rivals, that the only way they could get the role as timekeepers at the Olympics was to work together. That was a good example of his ability to bring people together. On that subject, it's interesting to note that Blatter himself says that he learned more about leadership in the army than anywhere else. Sepp Blatter's other brother, Marco, summed him up like this. He could be very stubborn when it came to setting goals, but he was not one for getting rid of people. For example, the way he gave the media director, Guido Togoni, a second chance. And his brother says he was perhaps even naive, always believing the best about people. When Sepp Blatter was standing to be president of FIFA against the Swede, Leonard Johansson, who was the official UEFA candidate, Michel Platini was asked why he had supported Blatter rather than Johansson. He replied, because Sepp Blatter is a footballer. So Sepp Blatter used his strengths and talents to take him all the way to the FIFA presidency. Thanks, Stuart, for that and the next part of Stuart's profile on next week's programme. Well, that's it for this week. But on WhatsApp and on Facebook, we're asking, who do you think will win the 2016 CAF Champions League? It's at the halfway stage now in the group stage. And Widat Casablanca of Morocco atop of Group A. Al-Athli of Egypt are bottom in Group B. Mamelodi Sundowns are tops ahead of Zamalek of Egypt. What's your prediction? Who will win the Champions League? Send us a WhatsApp to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. We'll go to our Facebook page, Planet Sport Football Africa. Well, from me, Steve Vickers in Harare from Solomon Ashams in Nigeria and Stuart Weir in the UK. Thanks a lot for listening. And Planet Sport Football Africa is a passion for sport production.